Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I heard a lot of talk today by Julian Breezebois about playing hurt, and I'm not playing as hurt as those guys, but I threw my back out trying to lift something today. <laughs> so if I stammer around more than usual, that's why. I'm in serious pain. I, I might get um, a little teary-eyed here because you're really inspiring me, like Julian Breezebois was today at his <laughs> press conference. Was he teary? Was he wiping tears away? It, it, not tears. He got a little choked up. Yeah. Um, he said, you know, part of it's he's got a cold, but the other part is these guys inspire <laughs> he's him. Got I mean, cold. <laughs> I mean, he's got a cold. Look, he's talking about Alex Kalorn, who breaks his fibula, clean oh, breaks in two places. Stupid. On a Monday. By Thursday, he gives a rod in his leg and tries to skate on Saturday. That's, that's, I mean, there's valor and then there's stupidity. Yeah. I don't know whether to feel good or bad about that decision. <laughs> well, he said, he goes, that's what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, he talked about, uh, you know, Victor Hedman's had a torn meniscus since uh, March 30th. Now that one, that one we suspected that something was mm-hmm. wrong. Yep. You wouldn't think something that bad was wrong. I've had a torn meniscus, and I don't know the severity of the one that, um, you know, obviously that he has. But uh, let me just assure you, um, how you could skate and play hockey without just having an incredible pain tolerance because, you know, those things – that cartilage will erupt, will kind of shatter, and, and you have shards that go into the tissue around the knee, and it hurts all the time. And when you're to skate and play hockey with a torn meniscus is, that's, you know, that's really something. I mean, and I'm sure there was, you know, swelling involved, and who knows what he had to do to get ready to play every week. Um, that's pretty impressive, right, by itself. Mm-hmm. Nikita Kucherov, of course, comes back from hip, sur- hip surgery. Who knows if his hip felt 100%. Yeah, nobody addressed that. But he know. has a non-displaced rib fact- fracture that, from the, the, the hit from uh, in the Islander series, the cross-check. The cross-check. He would have to get um, treatment before every game, nerve, uh, I can't remember what it's called, uh, nerve deadening, but uh, shots. The doctor who would do it, was on vacation for part of it, would fly back to Tampa to give Cooch the treatment and go back to his family vacation out of state. Wow. Uh, Kucherov even came back between games three and four for the treatment, which they were in Montreal. And he plays with that. We learned that Ryan McDonough and Barkley Goodrow had broken hands. Both of them had broken hands, and I assume that's from probably, well, could be uh, a Good, lot of things. Goodrow, right? we think, slash, was a fight. Block shot. Goodrow, we think, was a fight because he missed the last game or two of the regular season. He got in a fight the game before. Okay, and he missed the last game or two. Then he missed the first few games of the the Stanley Cup, if you or the the playoffs against Florida, if you remember. Yeah, and when he came back, it must have been okay. It's healthy enough at least now for me to go, but still a broken hand. I mean, it wasn't healed yet. And Crazy. Ryan McDonough also had a broken hand. Uh, Victor Hedman, by the way, had surgery on Tuesday uh, for the the for the meniscus. meniscus. That's yeah. how bad it was bothering him. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Breeze also said some players had some banged up shoulders and some other things, but. Those were the highlights or the lowlights. As they said, that's what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. And 
We learned that the Stanley Cup is out a few days with an upper body injury. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of does. the players apparently dropped it when showing it off to the fans. Uh, nice. Julian said he didn't see it firsthand, but uh, it'll it'll be get repaired this weekend and then uh, starts a uh, tour this weekend. Yeah, Flat Stanley was uh, yes. was not looking good at the end of that parade. I can tell you that um, he survived the boat parade part of it, but then I guess they were uh, engaging with the fans and it must have hit the concrete or something. Um, got flattened out. Well, look, uh, you know, it, it does, it makes their effort even, even more, uh, you know, sort of epic and Herculean and, you know, one for the ages because those guys, I mean, I think the story will always, will always kind of start with Cooch and the fact that, you know, he sat out the whole regular season and then played as great as he did and got hurt again and played through that with a cracked rib. And of course, I mean, what Kalorn attempted to do is, is, doesn't even seem possible. Um, but that's the mentality. He's right. I mean, that those guys really wanted to win together. They wanted to win it again, and, and they were able to do so. And now, you know, they're limping home with their with their battle wounds and their scars. But you know what? Their name's engraved on that cup again. And what do they say? They'll walk together forever? They will, as back-to-back champions, like which doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So. Which does not happen very often at all. Yeah. No. And Julian Brees also talked about look, he thinks this core and this team, you know, can compete for another Stanley Cup Cup Stanley Cup next year. Yeah. Um and and you know, he's got a lot of tough decisions to make over the next week or so. The expansion draft uh being a week from today in Seattle. Uh names have to be your list of who you're protecting has to be submitted this weekend. Uh, of course, he also said he's talking to Seattle and possibly a side deal gets done to make sure Seattle takes someone you want instead of uh, somebody you don't. Um, but he's also, you know, he was asked about signing guys like Goodrow and Coleman. He says, look, to the, sign unrestricted free agents, i got to clear some cap space because I'm over the cap now. Well, and he made year. this point, too, that those guys have earned a big salary by the way they've played. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether he can pay it or not is debatable. But, you yep. know, you don't begrudge – They've played so well. They've played mm-hmm. themselves into this situation, and they deserve to get paid. Absolutely, they do, and, and they're going to get more. Whether the Lightning can afford to pay them more, that'll that's the question. It depends on the moves that Julian Breezewalk can negotiate over the next week, week and a half. Free agency will and, start in two weeks on the twenty eighth, uh, with the know, NHL there, draft in the middle of that next weekend. There's no hometown discounts in pro sports, or so they say. But you know, Shaq Barrett was on NFL Network. And they asked him, um, you know, well, you know, the rumor was you left a lot of money on the table, you know, to, to return to Tampa. And he said, you know, I don't know. Um, the fact of the matter is, it's possible I did, but and he, had, he got like $72 million for four years. But he says it's possible I did, but the fact of the matter was, is this is where I wanted to be. Now, had he wanted to cast a wider net, you know, and and leverage another team out there against the Bucks. He certainly could have done that. I don't think it's unrealistic to think he could have made more money. But this is where, and you know, guys like Coleman and them will have to decide on this, but mm-hmm. this is where playing for a good organization and enjoying where you live and enjoying your teammates and your coaching staff, and Barrett mentioned all of that. He said, look, I, I got the best coaching staff. These are the guys I want to, you know, I, I want to play for. Um I wanted security. He got that. He could have gotten in another city too, but he wants to win. And he knows that his success came here under Todd Bowles system, playing next to Vita Vea, playing next to or opposite JPP, you know, all those things matter to him. And 
So, you know, he didn't seem that upset, even with the, the likelihood that he lost some money in the deal. So, you know, possibly you could see a situation where if, if, it's, if it's close, I'm not talking guys aren't going to leave, you know, $10 million on the table. But if it's close, um, they may decide to stay here because there is so much going for this organization. And they will be contenders again. I, I Just their core alone and their goaltender makes them perennial contenders for playoffs. And then once you get there, Steve, I mean, we know anything can happen. Well, there's a history in this organization of taking less than you could get on the open market to stay here. Yeah. It started with Steven Stamkos five years ago. Yeah. When he signed for, what, $8.5 million for an eight-year deal. Oh, God, you know what he could have gotten in Toronto? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Nikita Kucherov signed for 9.5. He could have got more. Victor mm-hmm. Hedman signed for 7.8, approximately. Yeah. Um, you know, all these guys have taken – now, no taxes here helps. Absolutely. Uh, you, know, you go to Canada, and your tax rate's humongous. You go to California, it's different. It's Cost know. of living is mm-hmm. not as much, uh, you know. Absolutely. We, o- we always say they pay you in sunshine here in Florida. You know, which... your, your season's during the winter. You get yeah. to live someplace that is nice in the winter instead of, you know, mm-hmm. frozen and you can't go outside. And, you know, these guys, yeah, these guys off-season in golf. the summer can go, you know, north. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of them go up north for the summer yeah. when, it, when it's, the you know, the worst temperature here-wise. They can be here in December, and if they have an off day at home, they can play golf. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. What's what hockey player can do that? You got to be in a warm weather city to do it. So if, if you know someone like Coleman and Goodrow, if the Lightning want to have them back and and they want to be back, I mean, you know, they have the right to take a little less than maybe they would get on the open market to stay here, and they may do that. They may not. They may. I mean, you know, Blake Coleman's from Texas. Maybe he wants to go play for the Dallas Stars, and they have an interest. I mean, sure, you sure. never know, and, and they've earned that right to to make that decision whether it's to yeah. stay here and 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 you know what kind of deal they can get here compared to somewhere else. So um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here for the Lightning because they do have to shed some payroll just to get under the cap mm-hmm. uh, for next year, and then if they want to try to resign some guys, then you've got to shed even more. And then you know who Seattle will take an expansion draft, and so it's it's going to be. It's going to be a news-filled couple of weeks here for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do you think there's any strategy to what players they expose to that draft? In other words, could there be somebody, like you mentioned, the trade possibility, so mm-hmm. they more or less agree that this is the guy and you are going to take him. Um, I mean, we saw Tyler Johnson you know, mm-hmm. go on waivers a couple times, right? He was yep. out there. Uh, no, one, no one picked. So you have to – you could – I mean, I thought Johnson was terrific in the playoffs. Well, there's a, there's a um, few things. So – 30 teams have to expose players to Seattle. Vegas is exempt because they just did, did this they three just years did ago. They did their draft, yeah. So Seattle has to, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they have to take, I think it's at least 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goalies. Okay. And that leaves four other players. They can pick whatever position they want. So they can take mm-hmm. 18 forwards if they want, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, five goalies, et cetera. Right. So, you know, they have a certain, and they have to get to a certain salary that they draft too. So you can't just take all rookies that are making, yeah. you know, 100 million. You have a minimum less. amount of money you You've have to You've got to take a couple bigger contracts. Now, Vegas was smart, and the big contracts they took were one year, had one year left on them. For instance, the Lightning did a side deal with them, and I don't remember the particulars, but some, a draft pick was sent to Vegas as well for them to take Jason Garrison because the Lightning wanted to clear him off the cap. Mm-hmm. Garrison had one year left on his deal. So while it was a three or four, five million dollar hit for Vegas, they had to get to a certain salary anyway. 
after one year, they didn't have to worry about him anymore. They weren't mm-hmm. taking guys that had three and four years left on their deals with, with a lot of money on it. For instance, Tyler Johnson, who's got three years left at $5 million. Is Is Seattle interested in a deal like that? Now, some of it depends on, you know, Jason Garrison was near the end of his career at that point. Yeah. You didn't want a long-term deal. Tyler Johnson is still a very productive forward. We saw it in the playoffs. He played extremely well. You put him in the I right situation, he, yeah. he could be great. But are no. you willing to take three years of that at $5 million? At $15 million total, yeah. Andre Palat has one year left on his deal at five point two or five point three mil. You know, If you had the choice of one of those two, if you're Seattle, you might want to take Palat. Maybe you like Palat better, but even if the – in one year, I can do whatever I want. Resign him. I could go a different direction. You're not locked into long-term deals, which gives you a lot more flexibility after year one. So it'll be interesting what Seattle does. Now, teams have a choice. You can either protect four forwards, four defensemen, and a goalie, or seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie. Hmm. So what do the Lightning do? And, and it's, it's a conundrum for the Lightning because they have four defensemen you'd probably like to protect. You'd like to Hedman, you have to protect. He's got a no-move clause, so you, you, he has to be protected. You've got Sergachev, Chernak, and McDonough. If you go with this, but if you only go four def- if you want to protect all four defensemen, that means you only get to protect four forwards, two of which have to be Kucherov and Stamkos. Mm. Your other two are probably Point and Sorelli. Which means if you're going to protect McDonough or Chernak, assuming Sergachev is going to be protected, if you want to protect both, uh, you know, all four of your defensemen, you only get to protect four forwards. So it's what Point, Cooch, Stamkos, and Sorelli probably. Which means Palat, Kalorn, Johnson, Gord, Coleman, or uh, Coleman's a free agent, uh, Colton, Matthew Joseph, all those guys are left exposed. Yeah, I, I'm not letting Colton go. Well, and, and so then you want to go 7-3, but which defenseman do you leave out there? Yeah. I mean, you can yeah, make I an know. argument McDonough was – He was awesome. one of their best players. Maybe in, the best know. player in the playoffs this year for them. Yeah. I mean, you know. But he's older. He is, and he's he's got – you know, he's 31, I think, 32. Mm-hmm. And he's got three or four years left at $6.7 million. And you've won two Stanley Cups with him. But, yeah, yeah, he's really, really good, though. I mean, that's not a guy you want to part with. Right. But Now, the other options you have, too, is, and the deadline was Tuesday at 5 o'clock to ask players, you could ask Steven Stamkos to waive his no-move clause for the expansion draft and, and with the assumption that they wouldn't take him. With, right. With know, his salary you know, with, with three years left on his deal at $8.5 million. Yeah. That's what I meant by strategic. And, and it gives it, you it, another person to protect. The Minnesota Wild today – bought out two players. They bought out Zach Parise and, and Suter. So it, there's some massive cap hits down the road for them on this, and those players are going to get paid mm-hmm. for I think they had three or four years left on their deals. They're going to pay for another eight years. Um, this is what the Lightning did with Vinny LaCavia a few years ago. But they right. did that now so that those are two guys they don't have to protect. They had full no-move no clauses. They had to protect them in the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. So by, by buying them out... They now they don't have to protect those two players. It gives them two other guys they can protect in the expansion draft. So it's uh, well, that would you know, be pretty shrewd if they put Stamkos out there. Um, well, you could that, ask him to waive his no moves. He doesn't have to agree to it. No, I re- yeah. I realize that, and I don't know that he would unless he was one hundred percent certain. I mean, if it could help his team, and he knew that Seattle mm-hmm. wasn't going to take him, yep. 
Now, the other option is you create a deal with Seattle and say, hey, um, say they want Andre Palat. I'm just, I'm just throwing, making it, you know. You say, yeah. okay, we'll give you Andre Palat. Um, but you have to take so and so. You take Tyler Johnson, and or you know, or you know, we'll throw yeah. in a draft. You know, if you want Palat, fine, take someone else. Or you just create a deal, say, hey, we'll throw in a second round draft pick next year, mm-hmm. and we want you to take so and so, Mitchell Stevens, or Matthew Joseph, or right. know, I, one know, of the guys. One of the guys we're willing to part with, or, or but- maybe we want you to take Tyler Johnson because we need to clear that cap space. Mm-hmm. So here's a second round draft pick next year. You take Tyler Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, and that helps us clear a cap space that we, you know, so you can make that deal, and then you don't have to worry about who you're protecting and who you're not. Because once you make that, if you make a deal with them, then you're done. That counts, yeah. Right. If if also free agency doesn't start till J- July 28th. There's a 48 hour window, I believe, next Monday, Tuesday. I think those are the dates. If they sign a free agent, for instance, let's say Seattle signs Barclay Goodrow to a deal, and he agrees to a free agent contract with them. The Lightning no longer have to worry about the expansion draft because he was a free nice. agent from their team. Now, that means Barkley Goodrow didn't test free agency outside of Seattle, right? And that, I, that gets that gets back to do, do they agree mm-hmm. what his value is? Is he willing right. to take less, or does he want to see what's on behind so, door so number one? I, I don't think a lot of those deals happen because if your player wants to go to free agent, unless they really want to play for Seattle, right. there's a, you know, a coach a a reason, uh, you know, family, family, whatever. They're from there, yeah. You know, or they just make an, uh, you know, obscene offer, right? You know, they, hey, this is more than I think I'm going to get anywhere else. Let me go ahead and take it. But yeah. you know, um, but the player has that option, and it's before they can test free agency. So, they, so Barkley Goodrow couldn't talk to any other team yet outside the Lightning. So not likely that stuff happens. But if they do happen to sign one, then, and that's what six hundred fifty million dollar entry fee into the league gets you. Well, it's fascinating. Yeah, exactly. It, and it look and it it got Vegas to the Stanley Cup final in their first year. By the way, that's not the way they did it back in the day with the NFL. I can tell you. Take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1976. Oh, Phil, Phil, just ask Phil Esposito about the Lightning's expansion. Oh God! You know, I mean, I think players got to protect like twelve forwards and three goalies. <laughs> oh yeah. And, I mean, you know, you were getting nobody. Exactly, and you'll like it, and you'll be happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's totally changed. But like you said, that's uh, that comes with the the price of getting in, in uh, to all those owners. But the other part is that entry fee of six hundred fifty million doesn't go towards the cap or anything. That goes straight to the owners, to the pockets. Yeah, that's not right, revenue they, for the league. It's not. Uh-uh, it's it's split, split between that. the owners, and absolutely, it goes to their pockets. They don't have to you know give forty eight or fifty percent to the the players. To the players, it's nope. uh, pure profit, which is why they you get a good player. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're we're happy to do it. Everything has a price, but well, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I'm really interested to see how that all pans out. And uh, however it goes, I think you have to trust Julian and, and the moves that he's made to bring him two Stanley Cups already. Um, and you know, no one understands what it takes to win, or the talent that they have, or the young guys in the organization. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of winners. You know, in the AHL that. Uh, that they will be up that will be up here in the next year or two as well. I mean, they, that's the the beauty of this organization. They keep finding and developing great players, and they're not afraid to bring them up. So, um, you know, that's that's also the strength of the of the franchise. So we'll see. Now we got uh, some mailbag questions. I don't know how many we'll get to now. If we don't, yeah. we'll we'll get to some more the other day. But uh, let's get started. All right, Craig. We'll lead off with Craig from Vegas, and he asked, 
Is John Cooper now on the top of the Mount Rushmore of Tampa coaches? Did he overtake Chucky, Torts, Dungey, Madden, Cash, McKay? What a great question. It's an outstanding question. Um, look, he's the only one that has two championships, so he's got that over the rest of them. Uh, and, and and really three finals appearance and three. Yeah, he's going to say what? it really five semifinals. Yeah. So, I mean, he is he has systematically annually exceeded anything other those other coaches have done. So I think just from a pure resume standpoint, he is above them. Now, I would say to you, OK, that if you look at where the lightning was when he took over. As an organization, an ownership, um, what their history was. I mean, Guy Boucher had been to an Eastern Conference final just, what, a year before or two years before? Two years, yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, he was coming in with a cupboard's bear. He was not. And he was very familiar with, with the players that he had coached, you know, uh, on, in the AHL. So, you know, we. And, and you get this all the time, right? Is it talent? Is it coaching? Or should the coaches that have talent be penalized? No. Um, you know, look, Tony Dungy walked into a situation where they had had double-digit losses for 12 straight seasons. However, from a talent standpoint, they had drafted Warren Sapp. They had drafted Derek Brooks. They had drafted John Lynch. Now, all those guys were there, and they were part of the 12, or, you know, the 12 double-digit losing seasons. But it wasn't like there was no talent when he when he showed up in Tampa. There was no quarterback per se, um, and you know, and then Gruden had to take that after Dungey left after six years, and then and and then take it a step further. But then you could say, well, John walked into a situation with one of the top defenses in the league. Um, they had been to a championship game already. They were ready to win. You know, it was Dungey's team. You hear all that stuff. So. There's asterisks by everybody. I think, for me, I still say the most incredible coaching job that I've seen is Joe Madden. And I say it from the standpoint that, and I give all the credit to the ownership, to the front office, all of that. But that's a franchise that was a doormat and was going to stay a doormat and was losing 100 games a year. Now, the ownership was everything. And the people they brought in to run the front office the uh, acceptance of the analytics and, and all of that, right? But in baseball, where there's no salary cap or very little salary cap uh, without penalties, um, and you're going in that division uh, and, and you go to a World Series in 2008, I know they didn't win. So, you, you know, championship versus no championship, I get it. But just in terms of the job that was done, I, I think Madden and or Dungy are very close to Cooper uh, right below him. And and, and I'm not going to discount what Chucky did. Chucky brought home the title, right? Uh, Dungy couldn't do it. Um, but I think you have to look at it each each situation separately. But there's no question that Cooper stands on top of those guys in terms of achievement. And, and really, how how else are you judging a coach? Well, let me, you know? let me add this in because I, I, I agree with everything you said. But I think we forget one side of John Cooper is that the culture transformation of this franchise happened when Vinick took over and Iserman and, and all yes. that. Yes. But remember, Cooper was at the AHL coaching and winning a championship in Norfolk. Yep. With a lot of these young guys. Yes, he was. I mean, we, we talk about Madden and Dungy changing a culture, but Cooper did it, but he started at the AHL, and a lot of that was there. Where they won 28 straight games at one streak. 
at one yeah, stretch. Yeah, he developed the guys that eventually came up and played for yeah. him. So I don't think Cooper sometimes gets enough credit for changing the culture mm-hmm. of the organization. Yeah, because his culture you know, had always been winning, because, whatever he was. Because you know we forget about that time at Norfolk and Syracuse right. with Kucherov, Kalorn, Johnson, right. Palat, and a lot of these guys, which is why but, they then promoted him up to the to the to the NHL when they decided to move on from Guy Boucher. Right. And, and he just continued that transformation in there. And, and, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. No question. I, I just think that, you know, do you give Tony Dungy credit for, and he wasn't a head coach, but and it's apples, maybe it's apples to oranges, but like he was a hell of a defensive coordinator, had some mm-hmm. great defenses in Minnesota. He was really good in Pittsburgh. Like, you know, it, you got to do it at the big league level. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it as a head coach. Cooper was a head coach, but it wasn't. It was still the AHL, you know. Um, but w- I think we now know that those players that that he had it. He had it. The, to, see, to me, you know, this is a chicken egg. Every coach comes in and says we got to change the culture. You know, they get their job because the team's not winning or not winning enough. You know what? It's about culture. You know what? Screw that. Winning is culture. What did John mm-hmm. Cooper do wherever he was? He won. So he had a, you know, he was a winner. I mean, that's, that's, that's the culture. The damn culture is winning. And, you know, well, they got to learn how to win. Okay. No, just if you can win, the culture has changed. So he brought that winning with him because everywhere he went, he was successful. So, yeah, I, I do give him credit for what he's done, and it is a good point. And so many of those guys he developed that when they got to the NHL, they were prepared to play and play well. And some of them are now superstars. So – yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, it, it, the resumes just don't add up. They don't match up, right? They just don't. Now, what if Bruce Arians wins another Super Bowl? But he got Tom Brady, and he had all these players that were there before him. And does he come into the conversation? Absolutely he does. You got two championships, yeah. you're there. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's all about championships, man. And I'm sorry, the Rays haven't won a World Series. As much as I love Joe Madden and I love Kevin Cash, I think they've both done an unbelievable job with the hand they're dealt. I don't know anyone could do any better than those yeah, two. Particularly with the economics of baseball. Yeah. You don't just, have the salary cap it's like so the other sports. so different. Yeah. I mean, if you had a salary, can you imagine if you had a salary cap in baseball, what the Tampa Bay Rays would be? Yeah, if you had better revenue sharing and salary caps, it would yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, all the players that, you know, that they would develop that would win side youngs would then go away into a big market team because they couldn't afford them. What if they'd have kept some of those guys? You know, and, and, and what if the level, the playing field was level? Or if you lost a player, you had enough money to make a trade for a guy that had a $25 million salary. I mean, it's so different, it's not even imaginable. Um, so I just think the sports are so, you know, out of whack that way. But, no, Cooper, to me, what Cooper has done until somebody wins two, he stands, on, he stands above him. LG21 tweeted us and said, looking back, isn't it great we didn't land Eric Carlson? Seems like a lock just a few summers ago. This team would be lucky to win one cup, much less two, with that salary on the books. I mean, sometimes the best trades are the ones that, that you don't make, right? I mm-hmm. mean, I, 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 it's the ifs and buts and candies and nuts argument, but, I mean, we, don't, we really don't know. Maybe Carlson would have been phenomenal, you know, uh, in this environment, in this culture, mm-hmm. in, on this team. Maybe he'd have been a mainstay. And maybe they wouldn't have needed some other defenseman that they ended up grabbing. You know, maybe they could have used mm-hmm. that salary cap money instead of you know 
grabbing some other people. So it's hard to say, you know, no one has a time machine. I know this. He he was a hell of a player, is a hell of a player. So I don't think he would have, you know, hurt them. It is. It would have. But been I, a, I don't think he'd have been as good as say money. what Ryan McDonough has played lately. I don't think because, he could be any you know, better. Yeah. Where he was in his career and where he's at now, you know, you see what he's doing now in his career, right? But but he's doing yeah. But he wouldn't with the Lightning. But yeah, I don't think he'd have been any better. It is kind of a blessing in disguise. I mean, that happens in 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 pro sports, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's it, to me, it's kind of hard to. Boy, aren't they lucky they didn't? Eh, maybe I guess yeah. But you know what? You only have the information at the time. I give him credit for going after the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was the thing they were trying. They were trying to win a cup. They were trying to push to add to their talent. So all that was good, and he considered them. But you know, whatever just didn't just didn't happen. So you know, you, you really it's what you do, how you react to that when you when you know here are the other guys we can get, and and Ryan McDonough, and you know these other guys start showing up and they all play well and they've got two cups to show for it. So you don't regret, you, you know, you obviously can't look back, but uh, in hindsight with their salary cap situation, yeah, that guy would have taken a big chunk of it, man. No question. All right. We'll switch to the Rays now And Austin who uh, lives in Memphis and tweeted us for the first time, listens nice. from here and listens all the time. Uh, so it seems like MLB draft picks are traded much less often than draft picks in other major sports. Is that an accurate observation? And if so, why is that? I think the picks themselves, it depends on where they are. But, I mean, obviously, it, it, this this seems somewhat simplistic. I just think there's there's less of a uh, – it's harder to predict what a – and most of – and I'll just say it, like, and maybe this is changing, most of your best prospects are high school players if they're drafted in the first round or high in the first round. Um, they don't make it to college because they get too much money to sign coming out of high school. But that's a long way from the major leagues. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know. It's like what, 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 how much do you value a draft pick? Where is the pick? Um, what's your farm system like? You know, what's your major league team like? You're trying to develop your farm system. You try, you know, I mean, it, it's not a, you know, the major league baseball draft. I don't know what the failure rate is for that. I know it's, I know it's about 50% in in the nfl in the first round i can't imagine it's that high or you know that it's not higher in major league baseball well there's there's two parts to this too the uh, the other parts um major league baseball players generally are years away from from reaching oh, yeah. the big leagues four so, or five years generally so yeah. there's not as much demand you know it's not like i'm gonna trade for this pick and i'm gonna you know he's gonna he's be not gonna team. help me this year yeah, yeah for the most part but two i don't believe baseball allows trading of picks outside the compensatory picks I think they they actually don't do not allow the, now you can draft someone and then trade them at that point. Right. But I don't but believe they allow trading picks outside just, the the revenue the small revenue teams get compensatory picks. I think those can be traded. Okay. So like the Rays picked I think they picked no. 28th and then they had like the 34th or 35th pick. There's your answer. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that, but there's yeah. your answer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's kind of like, you know, the NBA at draft night, you can't trade draft picks then, so then you draft a player and immediately trade them and so Mm-hmm. You know, you draft the player and he's got a hat on, but he's never going to play for that team because he was already traded, but he still know, wears the hat of the team that's the weirdest thing, like, isn't that's it? That's just bizarre. Yeah, it's very <laughs> But it's I very think weird. it has something to do with the rules in the fiscal year because the, the, the season hasn't ended yet when you have the draft for the next year yet. And it, there's it, it, that's the reason the NBA does it, but it seems bizarre. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Tommy asked, 
Rick, do you see the Rays making a trade at the trade deadline? Do you see them trying to acquire a frontline starter without giving up way too much? Well, sign me up for that. If you can get a frontline starter without way too much, I'll take the not way too much deal any day. Yeah. Um, we talked about this the other day. I, I really do think that, you know, if you're talking about if the goal is the World Series and to win it, and why wouldn't it be, right? You got there, you got six games with the Dodgers, you fell short. Um, you, you didn't really make a lot of moves in the offseason per se. You lost some players, Charlie Morton and Blake Snell, and you know you did acquire some guys. Now you brought up brought up some of your better prospects, but if the goal is still the World Series, and if you look at this baseball team, not knowing what the status of Glasnow is going to be, and that is an absolute crapshoot. I don't care who you are with the Rays; you really don't know if you're getting the guy back, and if you do, what he's going to be, or 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 how long it would take for him to build himself up to pitch. There might not be enough time. I I think that that's what they lack. I mean. Love Rich Hill, having an unbelievable year, 41 years old. Okay, there's one guy. He's going against everybody's ace, right, in any series we play, if you're the Rays. You've won the regular season. You're in the playoffs. Now everybody's ace is going against Rich Hill. You okay with that? Well, maybe. Okay, what about the next night? Shane McClanahan. Guy's a virtual rookie, you know. Um, He's going against everybody's number two. You good with that? Well, maybe. Okay, well, who's number three? I mean, at some point, I think you if you're going to add, you have to add to try to find a, you know, a rock-solid top three starter because, you know, in a seven-game series, these guys are going to pitch a couple times. So, and your and your your ace may you may see him as many as three times in a seven. So, yeah, I I'm all for it. What what is getting it for much less or not much or, you know, I don't know what that is. Without bankrupting your farm system, I don't know what that is. You got to give up something to make something. I mean, what what I think they'll hope for is, yeah, we're going to have to part with some prospects. And, we, you know, the question is, will they rent a player? Will they take a player that is does not have a contract beyond this year? Will they be willing to do that? It depends Since most on, of his you know, contract yeah, depends, depends on the player. Depends on who the player is and their evaluation of them. I mean, yeah, I think exactly. the Rays, as much as anybody, you know, looks at a player and, and assigns a grade, a value, a dollar figure. And they stick to and, it. And, you know, if, if it's over it, we're not paying yeah. it. I mean, that's, that's how right. you stay within a, a lower payroll is, you know, you've got to it's, have it's, your – you know, you're not doing this on gut. It's it's This is what we think this player is worth. If we can get him for this, then great. If not, we move on to the next option. So easier said than done, right? Because all it takes is, you know, everybody wants to add a starter, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, so there's a market out there, a free, you know, a free market in terms of compensation for teams that want to trade for a guy. And if a guy's good and he's available, you don't think there's about five to seven other teams that don't want to add the same player? So, you know, again, that's why your point is the Rays are going to say, Here's here's what we think his value is. If it exceeds it, we're out. And that's kind of how you have to approach it. But do they want to add something? Yes. Would they like it not to bankrupt their farm system? Sure. We'd sign up for that tomorrow. I just don't know that it happens. And I'm sure Breezebaugh is shaking. Uh, you know, Breezebaugh, wrong GM. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the Rays, although he's probably shaking that. I'm sure the Rays are doing the best they can to, you know, to find that guy. It just, you don't know how many conversations they have about players and you may never know right how close they came to this guy or that guy 
but rest assured, they're trying to find themselves some help. I mean, there's, I, it wouldn't make no, it'd be malpractice if you didn't. This baseball team needs, could use another starting pitcher. Look how great their bullpen has been, for goodness sakes. You know, if you could add one more guy. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I mean, the Rays, more than anybody, I think are always looking to add. So, I, you know, I, I think they probably burn the phones more than anybody. There may be some teams that refuse to talk to them because they tend to do very well. They, they are very good at player evaluation. Um, you know, you kind of see the same teams trade with them all the time. They trade a lot with the Brewers. They trade with the Padres. Uh, I don't know if the Cardinals will ever trade with them again, but um, I, I think the Rays, more than any other team, are always looking at what they can add. And quite frankly, if they do feel they need to add a frontline starter, they have enough prospects in the system that they could deal from. I mean, their farm system is loaded, even with calling up Vidal Brujan and Taylor Walls and Wander Franco. Their farm system's still loaded. You have prospects to trade with from. So they okay. can make a move if they choose. I mean, it's much like the Lightning. The last two years, and, and Julian Breezeball took a lot of crap initially when he traded number one draft picks plus a prospect to get Coleman and Goodrow. Helped him net two Stanley Cups. Traded another number one draft pick to get David Savard this year. Helped him win a Stanley Cup. I mean, when your window's there, that's when it's time to use prospects and, and picks if you can, and baseball if you can't. But that's when it's time to use prospects to try to get over the hump. If you think your window's open, that's when you go for it. It's, it's when, you're, when you don't have enough players to win a World Series, that's when you start acquiring prospects and picks and, 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 and bulking up that farm system. But once you're in that window... You go for it if if you have a deal that makes sense. I mean, if you know you evaluate and and you know Julian Breezeball put a price on Goodrow and Coleman and, and said, okay, that's we think those players are good enough to help us win. That price was worth it, and they went for it. If if you know if San Jose required two number one draft picks for Goodrow, they probably don't make the deal. You know, it's it's all about you know figuring that out. But when you're in your window, that's when it's time to stop worrying about acquiring prospects and you know use a prospect to help you net a winner, whether it's calling them up or trading them to get another piece. Speaking of the Rays draft, how weird was it that in six picks they didn't take a pitcher? That is unprecedented. That is for them. I mean, but, you know, I mean, look, their farm system now it finally has some hitters in it. I mean, you're, you know, when you see guys like Vidal Brujan and Wander Franco and Josh Lowe and these guys, I mean, you know, they're, for years they always just brought up pitchers. They never seem to be able to, to develop hitters, and, and they've done a much better job recently of that. So, you know, I think that they're in a position, their farm system's deep enough, you go in going, let's take the best available player, period. You don't have yeah. to do anything of need. I mean, right. they've, they've got enough pieces in that where it's, we think this guy's the best available player right now. Take them. We're not a trying to, position. we don't need to go, hey, we need pitchers, we need outfielders, we need this. It's take the best players, period. I mean, their, their, their first pick was a shortstop, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's so. almost all picks are shortstops. Well, yeah, like we shortstops said. or center fielders are pretty much all your hitters. Like I said, those are the, the fielders that you take. If you played baseball, <laughs> you played shortstop and you pitched. I'm just saying. Yes. Sorry for everybody else that didn't. Maybe yes. first base if you were left-handed, but that's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. What do we got next? We got a Bucks question here from Cameron. Yay. He says, "Who are some of the players that you would expect to take a large leap forward this season? We've drafted well recently, and I think some guys have their eyes on a Pro Bowl caliber year." Yeah, you know, I think we saw um, those players at the end of last year do it. And um, um, and I, this is in no particular order. First of all, I will just say, when it comes to Devin White, who was already a, a really good player, I think we've just started to see uh, Devin White's 
abilities. And I think we saw it in the postseason. And remember, he missed the first postseason game because of the COVID uh, protocol. So what he did in the postseason was just, I think, a glimpse of how great he can be. But his recognition and his speed um, is as good or better than most linebackers in, in the NFL right now. And he's just now coming into his own as a player in this defense. And so, and I've said this, I don't, I know it's, it sounds ridiculous. I really believe that, that this guy has a chance for the, to be for the Bucks what Ray Lewis was for the Ravens. I really do. I think he's going to be a superstar, is a superstar. Um, the more playoffs and, and national TV games and everything, people will recognize that. And he plays next to a really good player. But here's the thing. You know, Levante David doesn't seem to be slowing down very much. But at the end of the day, this guy had the most tackles on the team. He had like 140 tackles during the regular season. He had uh, nine sacks, which was second on the team, only to JPP, who had nine and a half. He had more sacks than Shaq Barrett. Um, I think he had more quarterback hits than Shaq Barrett. Uh, He had the most tackles for losses on the football team. And we saw in the postseason, people wrap him for his coverage. Well, okay, uh, you know, all I know is he sealed the game in New Orleans and he sealed the Super Bowl with a couple of interceptions. So he's he, he can get even better in that area. So, you know, while you'd say, well, Devin White was already a good player, yeah, but I think he's, he's set to explode. The other guy that really, uh, if you go back even as late, late in the season when the Bucs uh, came off the bye and they were down 17 to nothing against the Falcons and – Calvin really was running circles around Sean Murphy Bunting. Uh, look at what Sean Murphy Bunting became as the year went on, and particularly in the postseason. The man had three interceptions, in, or four interceptions, I think, three or four interceptions in as many postseason games. I mean, he was just, you know, elevated to to another level. And I, I think that if he if he continues that aggressiveness and that confidence, I think he can be a special player this year. Um, along with guys like Jamal Dean, who I think is going to get better. Um, you know, defensively, I mean, look, the same thing I said about Devin White, you could say about Vita Vea. Vita Vea needs to be healthy. He needs to stay on the field. Uh, but if you didn't see the difference in that defense when Vita Vea was in there versus when he wasn't, in the Green Bay game, he played 33 snaps, had no stats, did not register a stat. I'm here to tell you he absolutely won the game. He won the game because he occupied four blockers, uh, or two blockers, and, and he pushed the pocket so much that they had one-on-ones outside and got five sacks of Aaron Rodgers. That's the that's the strength of Vita Vea, who also plays next to Sue, and they you know for two years now they had the number one run defense. I'm talking about a lot of defensive players, right? Uh, on the offensive side, I'll just tell you, and, and this is contrary to what everything they've done in the offseason and everything else, um, the guy that they thought had the best offseason among the players coming back was Keyshawn Vaughn. Now, everybody's going to go, well, they just you know, they just signed Giovanni Bernard. I mean, this guy might not even get on the field. He might not. Um, but they still like this guy. They drafted him in the second round for a reason. He had no offseason, no training camp, played a little while in spurts, um, had a touchdown against the Chargers that was big in their comeback. But they really like Keyshawn Vaughn. So we'll see. I'm just basing this on what they're telling me. I think Tyler Johnson has a bright future. The problem is they got 35, 35 receivers ahead of him. Um, but if you go back and look at the clutch catches he made in the playoffs against New Orleans on third down, I mean, that was huge. And I think he's got more in him. So there's a lot of guys. I mean, and we're not even talking about the Scotty Millers and the, you know, the people that are going to burst on the scene there. I still think Ronald Jones 
has a big upside um, the more you see him play. I hope again, to see a lot more out of O.J. Howard, and most of that's going to be health. Yeah, and I think he's that's a great one that I overlooked. And I and O.J. has unfortunately, you know, the weird thing is, and I talked to him, I did a story about him in the offseason, is that he never got injured in his entire athletic career until he got to the NFL. He didn't get hurt at Alabama. Um, he's had a, he had a couple of freak ankle things, guys falling on the back of his legs in um, his first two years here. Uh, you know, one of those years, I, I thought he didn't report back in shape quite as well. I thought, you know, they were mad at him because in the bye week, it didn't look like he worked out, and then he came back and immediately pulled a hamstring after the bye week and, you know, that sort of thing. But for the most part, you know, he's coming off a major injury. I mean, the Achilles injury is, is a nine-month injury to recover from. But if you want to talk about a guy now that has all the ability in the world, and we saw a glimpse of him and Brady uh, really starting to sync up until he got hurt in that Chargers game. I think in that game he had three catches for 50-something yards and a touchdown. He could absolutely – you know, tear the roof off of it. Now he's got to share the ball with Gronkowski. Um, Brake did not see the field while OJ was still, um, you know, still in the lineup. So uh, I don't know that Cameron's going to knock him out of anything. But you know, OJ Howard to me, and it's a contract year. He's he's playing under the fifth year option for about six million. This is his year. This is his year to prove to the Bucks or the NFL that you know he could be a eight to ten million dollar a year tight end and. I really think with Brady, who has a real affinity for him, likes him personally. I think he helped him last year as a player, um, and I know he's driven. I mean, the thing about O.J. is you take football away from these guys for the first time, they look at the game a little different. They look at workouts different. They look at their offseason different. Um, they realize that, you know, their own football mortality, and it's scary to them. And so it won't be for a lack of training. It won't be for a lack of effort. I think you're going to see the best O.J. Howard this year we've ever seen. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We'll end on a few fun questions here, and we'll start with Vince, who asked, What happened to the custodian of the Stanley Cup during the boat parade? I have a vision of him cringing in a fetal position in a dark corner, whimpering to himself. Any ideas? I mean, I didn't see him one time near the parade, so I don't know what happens because it. it, it I, I saw were, him on some of the boats. I saw him on did. a boat. Yeah. All right. Well, well, here's the thing: if he's going to let them carry the cup, um, short of diving after it, if they if it starts to slip from their fingers and protecting the cup against the ground or the concrete or whatever it hit, I don't know. He'd have to be right on top of it at all times. However, I don't know who pays him: the NHL, the uh, hockey hall of fame i don't know who pays but i would just say that's a tough review you know what i'm saying like hey um and what's the guy's name you know the guy's name phil the pritchard way? is the main there's actually several of them but yeah phil phil's got the, the white hair see, blonde yeah. hair yeah so i say okay phil um or someone tweeted uh, him the other day why is boris johnson holding the stanley cup but. <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> hey phil um this is your annual review okay so you were with the cup all season yeah okay and uh and things went pretty well lighting one again okay so it didn't really have to move very far no okay so um so another boat parade it, they it didn't 
you, it survived that, right? Yeah, yeah. It was no, the know, boat it came it, through the boat parade. Fl- didn't sink colors. at all. Nobody tossed it. Yeah, it was like a charm. Okay, so how is the trophy doing now? Yeah, um, you know, it took a little fall. What? Well, it, yeah, it got flattened. Like the cup, the top part, really. The trophy got smashed. Somehow it got smashed flat. Like a, yeah, yeah. It. Well, what's your job? Your job is to protect the cup. You know, and again, well, have if you, have you like, tried lifting thirty-four pounds of uh, silver and whatever else it's made of, if that's pouring, all I had to and do, pouring Steve, down rain and pouring, well, if I mean, it's no, no, all I had to do, he didn't. I have drop. one job. He didn't drop it, but I have one job. Really, I have one job. You know, you you're okay. You're the Secret Service, and your job is the President of the United States. He got shot. How'd I do? You're, you're yeah, saying, but you're I, saying I Phil was Pritchard in... was supposed to dive under the cup so it didn't hit the ground. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. <laughs> you got to be Rosie Greer at that point. I mean, yeah, you have to get the gun. Like, you have to be the guy that protects the cup. So, all I'm saying is the cup came back smashed. That's a bad review this year. Well, look, I don't... Everyone came back from that parade smashed. They were you? all smashed. <laughs> you know what? Somebody should have used that line in the newspaper. I'll be stealing it and putting it on Twitter. Yeah, they were all smashed, including the Stanley Cup. Yeah, nobody was nobody was not smashed. That's right. really funny. <laughs> Carl asked, "With the All Star break here, who would be your starting nine All Bay Area baseball team of all time?" He mentioned Al Lopez, Dwight Gooden, Steve Garvey, Wade Boggs. He says, "Got to fill every position, so some positions might be tricky." One hundred ten percent correct. He said, "I'm going to put myself at second base since I grew up and played here." Um. And then, so you weren't shortstop and pitcher. That was the problem. No, no, I was shortstop and pitcher until I got to uh, college, oh, okay. and then I moved to second. Which, yeah, I, maybe not a great decision, but um, no. But anyway, look, uh, he gave so he spotted us. Al Lopez can't argue. Dwight Gooden can't argue. Uh, Steve Garvey, Wade Boggs. Now I don't know if we're going by position here. He wanted by position, but I don't know if uh, well, that might take a little more time and thought from us than it might. Know. Let's think about this. We've got guys like Does Pete uh, Alonso make it now. He's back to back home run champion. Yeah, I don't think he's exceeded like say Fred McGriff. Yeah, that's right? true. That's true. Uh and at third base, I mean, how do you how do you top Wade Boggs, right? Howard Johnson. Howard Johnson can play the outfield or shortstop, yeah. played shortstop at Clearwater High, played and some the, of his best years with the Mets base. at third base. Third base with the Mets. Um you can hear the the thunder and lightning rumbling outside my home. Um also uh I mean, don't we got guys like Tino Martinez? What do you do with it? How about Sweet Lou Pinella in right field? Well, is, is Pinella that? playing right field or is he managing? He's not managing. Well, who is Kevin uh, Cash managing? Kevin Cash may be the catcher and the manager. I, I'm not sure. Or Bobby Wilson may be the catcher. I don't know. But Kevin Cash is 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 on this baseball team. He may manage over Sweet Lou, even though people would argue is Sweet Lou is he in the uh, Hall of Fame as a manager? He's not. Right? Um, I'm not sure. What about Tony La Russa? He, yeah, got to consider him. Absolutely got to consider him. There's just so many great players from Tampa Bay over the years. It really is incredible. I mean, some current players, Lance McCullers. McCullers is great. Uh, I think he's he's curving. Denard Spann was a really good player here for years and years. Um, yeah. You count guys like Matt Joyce. I mean, he's from Lakeland. I mean, it's Tampa area. Matt Joyce is at Bay Area, I yeah, think. I don't know if he'd be in the greatest, but, I mean, solid player. Let me see if there's a name that we haven't come up with yet. Let me think. Um, we mentioned we mentioned Gooden, right? So, 
And we mentioned Cash and Pinella. Oh, you, you know what? There's a couple more. How about uh, Gary Sheffield? Hello. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, Gary Sheffield is a borderline Hall of Famer right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about, um, I said Tino Martin. We had a lot of first basemen. That's the problem. Um, how about, uh, here's one. There's two, two more. Derek Bell, guy hit 134 home runs mm-hmm. in his career. Uh, how about Louis Gonzalez, who had 2,500 hits? Louis Gonzalez was a really good player yes. for a long time. World Series title. You I know? do hear that thunder and lightning outside your door. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's in my back backyard here as I as I do it from the spacious uh, Lutz abode. So this is a great question. I, I, I don't think we can do it by uh, – what about a guy like Mike Hampton? He's from Brooksville. He's a good reliever. No. How about Chris Sale? Yes, from Lakeland, if absolutely. we're going to expand it. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? That's a good one. Tyler Clippard, remember him? He was a reliever. Mm-hmm. He he played here as well. Who else we got? Jody Reed played a little bit. Carl Everett. Carl Everett used to live across yes. the street from us. Um, pretty good player. Now this, I, I'm telling you, the Tampa, no shortage of major league talent. I mean, it really is impressive. I think we hit most of them. I don't know that we could do it by position. That would be... Then we'd have to make decisions on first baseman and third baseman, stuff like that. I'll give it to Wade Boggs, though. I don't think you're going to top that. 3,000 hits. Dave Magadan? Dave Magadan's a great one. University of Alabama's own. It's a really good one. I'm just going through some lists here. Yeah, I'm just trying to see. Like, is there somebody we forgot? We don't want to insult anybody. Yeah, no. I mean, there's so many. It's And we're kind of doing this on the spot, too. Right. Yeah, we didn't prepare. We did not. Uh, we did not like write a list down or anything like that. It's just kind of. I like Garvey. There's some good old school guys like Garvey's going. Well, All right, we'll end on this. Pretty Paul, good list. Yeah, we'll end on this. Paul asked, "My question isn't about sports in particular, but about both of us." Well, I know there is no such thing as a typical day in your careers. I'd like to know what a day in the life has been for each of you. I know Rick has to go over to one buck, or is it Zoom now to do interviews? Right on deadline, stay up late to do this podcast. I'm producing Lightning Lunch, Bolts Radio podcast, as well as this one. Didn't even talk about family responsibilities for either of you. So what's a typical day like? When do you get up? What do you do? And when do you finally get to bed? Well, as Tom Cruise said in um, Jerry Maguire, it is a pride-swallowing siege that I will never tell you about. No, um, <laughs> it's, look, it's, it's, and, and I, I mean, I don't know who sleeps less, me or you, but it's, it's a contest, right? Um, I can get up at 6 a.m., uh, scanning the globe like Jim McKay and Wide World of Sports for anything that's happened to Tom Brady, which is virtually every day. And I can start blogging stuff because, you know, Brady's, done this or they said this about this player and so the social media has changed my job dramatically like we are constantly if, if you know somebody eats pepperoni we get indigestion so we're constantly trying to uh, not just the news we produce but but maybe someone's done an interview and said something somewhere so we're constantly doing that um so for me it starts it starts early of course we we try to plan stories during the regular season um, based on who the opponent is and who's played well the last week and so on and so forth following injuries, all that stuff, following the news. Um, but, you know, and it's different schedule in training camp than it is in the regular season in terms of workouts. Typically, things get started at, at One Buck Place around 11 o'clock, 
or you know whatever they call it now, the Advent Health Center. And you know, I have already talked to my editors. Um, I have planned some stories that I think are going to happen. Um, you know, there's usually uh, back in the day there would be an open locker room around noon. Uh, we would get maybe a quarterback or or the coordinators before that, like at eleven eleven twenty five. We'd speak to both of them. We'd go in for about 45 minutes to open locker room. Uh, we would come out. We'd write whatever news there was in this little intermittent period between 12.45 and 1.15 when they went out to practice. Then we would go out to practice for a half hour. We would see who was practicing, who wasn't. We'd come back in. We'd blog that. Then practice would end. We'd write our stories for the day. We'd continue to write in the period that they were finishing practice. Then the coach comes in, usually about 3, 3.30, does his spiel, so we interview him. Then we'll blog whatever we have to blog after that, finish our stories. Um, and this can go on usually till about 6 or 7 at night. Um, for me and you, uh, most of our podcasts are done after 9.30 for the most part. We do some during the day mm-hmm. uh, once in a while, like this one. Yeah, this one we're doing before the All-Star game, so that's why we're not Correct. talking about that. Right, even though, man, how great was Otani? Was that unbelievable? He was phenomenal. <laughs> oh, he was, he was fantastic. He's ever, He's just he's Babe Ruth. He's Ruthian. Um, but anyway, uh, we would, uh, 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 you know, we, I would do the, the, the podcast after 9 o'clock. Um, you know, in the case of like on Mondays, Tom Brady, for example, um, he has a, a, a radio spot on Westwood One with Jim Gray. I'll have to listen to that. I have to blog that at 7 o'clock. On Tuesdays, I might do uh, a TV hit with Bay News 9. This is the short way of saying that this goes on, you know, five days a week. The only days I have off during the regular season is a home Saturday if all my stuff is done for the weekend. And if it's a road game, I'm on a plane on Saturday and working Sunday and then starting all over again. So, yeah, uh, go back to the Tom Cruise line. But that's pretty much I work all the time. And I, I, I get to bed late and I get up very early, so sleep is, is a problem. Not like when I did radio as well, but – you know, we, we both keep – and you keep incredibly long hours because you're at the game sometimes and then come home and do this podcast even later than that, especially when the Lightning are in the playoffs. Yeah, a lot of those podcasts I was still doing from Amelie Arena yeah. after the, after we'd finished post-game coverage, which is usually an hour after the game, and then yeah. you would we would hop on and, and do the podcast. So I wouldn't get home till 1, one thirty, one one thirty in the morning, yeah. Um, there's no typical day for me. I mean, I have the things we do this podcast five days a week. Right. Um, there's a lightning show that airs at noon on their digital channel called lightning power play produce that right. every day. Uh, some days we're live. Some days we tape it early in the morning. Uh, just mm-hmm. depends on the schedule. Uh, Dave Michigan and Greg Linnelli host that show. Um, right. I, I do raise games. I do lightning games. This year was crazy because, I had to do Toronto every well. I had to do too, every road lightning games too, because oh, the right. announcers didn't travel this year. That's right. Which also meant I did, did some more Rays games as well because Dave and Andy weren't traveling for a while. They're now on the road. Um, the Raptors were here too, and I did things with them for games. So, uh, for instance, there was a stretch <laughs> April first. There was a stretch of forty-one games in forty-three days. That's that so I, stupid. In addition to everything else, I do. Outside and, and I, I do a lot of other. I do some other, produce some other podcasts and some websites, and um, I help with the USF broadcasts for radio as well as doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff with the Lightning radio pro, uh, stuff. And so there's no typical day. I mean, you know, we generally do this show after nine nine thirty at night. 
um, if we're not doing it during the day, because I, I try to spend the evening with my kids if I'm home. You do the right. same thing. Yeah. So it's you yep. know, my kids are a little younger. They go to bed. Usually we try to get by 830, but summertime it's by nine. Um, so then, you know, and, we'll, and we'll also it, it allows us to have the day of sports sort of behind us or mm-hmm. most of it, unless there's a live event. And if it, like I said, if it's a playoff game or a big raise game, we may wait until that's over and then it becomes twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning yeah. and then you're up at six. You know, we both have kids that have to get up and go to school. So, um, but yeah, if, I, if, if I'm in bed before midnight, it's very rare. Oh, extremely. And we're up yeah. at between six and seven with kids. Um, yeah. and usually it's more like one or two till I'm in bed, but. Yeah, and we're giddy when um, when we do do something during the afternoon, and we have like, like this podcast. We off. get the, we like, get the night off from uh, work what? part. I mean, don't we'll say pro- that. We'll probably be watching the All Star Game, but oh, absolutely. But as soon as you say that, then like news strike. This is the other thing. Like, this yeah. is if nothing happens, <laughs> right? Like what we've just told you is if nothing happens. Now, when the, of course we all know things happen, right? The world happens, and if there's breaking news, if there's something that's unexpected, which is all the time. Then you're adding more hours to it, and I, I have been known um, because I have weekend um, deadlines that are like, I don't know, Thursday at <laughs> last know, week, ten a.m. Yeah, uh, right with print especially. So I will very, uh, very often I'll get up at four o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning, and I will write, you know, stuff that's weekenders, what we call weekenders in the business stuff for Sunday, whatever that will hold that we know that that you know whatever the story is is not going to change barring some kind of weird injury and all that is done um even sooner mm-hmm. oh and then during the regular season i also do a radio show at four o'clock on fridays we tape that sunday show with the uh, wdae mm-hmm. the insiders uh, insiders yeah and uh hopefully that's back for another season still waiting on the contract john momola if you're listening um but uh yeah so there's yeah it can be well, there's been many times where, like in the afternoon, like we're doing now, we're taping a podcast and news breaks, and it's like, okay, yeah. we'll just uh, come back tonight Scraps. at nine or nine thirty. We'll the finish cost. it up that's then, right. or you know, yeah, that's right. there's, there's times we have to, you know, stop and uh, adjust. Yeah, no doubt. So you got the two hardest working people in the business for you right here. I mean, we're both grinders, and that's why we're able to do this. But uh, it's a great question, and and look, again, we're in the toy department, right? We do sports. Yes, it, 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 I've always said this, you can cover sports and cover anything because you're, sometimes you're a cops writer, sometimes you're a business writer, sometimes you're a sports writer. Um, sometimes it's about tragedies and, and, and people. Um, but regard, regardless, uh, uh, you know, as they, as they would say, and I can say this because I used to do it, I'm not digging ditches for a living. And I, yes, I used to dig ditches or trenches. Uh, at the at the Florida Power at that time it was called Florida Progress to put in underground cables so I know what that's like and I'm happy I'm not doing that so uh, don't feel sorry for me I got the greatest job in the world and I love it and I know you do too so uh, but yeah it's a, it's a lot of work but we're happy to do it. and we're glad that you listen to this podcast because that makes it all the worthwhile for us we know mm-hmm. there's a lot of people enjoy it and, and we love the questions too I mean yeah, all, the mailbags are one of our favorite shows I, I we get a lot of feedback from listeners on it. Yeah, but it's also one of our favorites because it's it makes us think it's different questions and yeah, um, we love it. We love the participation. And if there's stuff like I had somebody say the other day, Rick, you have all these relationships. Can you get more people on the podcast? Yeah, that's certainly something we would do. You know, and I was thinking about that the other day. I did a story yeah. on uh, on Monty Kiffin, uh, and I'll be doing more stories on him. But you know, in in within a few days, I talked to Ronnie Barber. I talked to Tony Dungy. I talked to 
Warren Sapp. I'm going to talk to Simeon Wright. So, but we got to you know, get you now, set up so that you can record it and not have you yes, typing at the same time on there. it. Well, there's that, and yeah, and and also if we can make it like a recording yeah. that's not on my phone. That's what I mean. You know, that's what I mean, I'm saying. We need to set you up because yeah. you're not the most technically savvy person. So, well, that's not fair. I, I'm not saying you're, you're far from the worst. I'm just saying you're not have the I, most. Have I have I failed at any any no. uh, particular assignment here? No, 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 okay. no. I, I'm not. Uh, Throw it at me, baby. Look, Tell I'm a very technically savvy person. So yeah, well, most you're, people you're compared that, to me are not. So, But that's your job. I mean, you know, would you like to write my story tomorrow? It's 50 inches. Go ahead. I'm just saying, like, I, I am. Yeah, you don't want that. I'm. I, let's put it this way. In my business, there are a lot less technically savvy people. Oh, no, no, no. Me. I absolutely agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. So, yeah, if you give me, if it, we'll, we'll discuss this later, but if you, if we could find a way for me to do those interviews, in, in a, in, and I know it's not that hard, right? Uh, where people can call me. It takes some equipment. Most of it's, it takes some equipment. It takes, it takes some equipment. On, most yeah. of it's on the phone anyway. But like, if they can call me and then we can have better quality sound, we would put it on the podcast. The fact of the matter is, the sound I have is basically a guy on a telephone through my iPad. Yeah, it's so a speaker phone and you're sound. typing. and Yeah, and, and I even when I try not to type, I'm not sure it's great. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yep. It's not the same quality that we have now, so... We'll work that out, but yeah, we absolutely can um, can uh, can go for that, and we do have guests throughout the year, especially you know during football season when um, we have more access to players and things. If there's other we stuff you have... like, let us know. Yeah, no, absolutely, and if there's stuff you don't like, let us know, in particular, and we'll stop doing that <laughs> if enough of you don't like it. <laughs> I hope it's not mailbags though, because we love mailbags. I think they're great. Yes. So tomorrow uh, we're going to have uh, Tom Jones is going to join us maybe for a couple shows. We'll see. But, uh, you know, longtime columnist at Tampa Bay Times, my former radio partner, of And course. today is the, uh, what, the only day of the year there's no sporting events going on, essentially, or no of the major sports? This is it. This is the dead day, although Monty Kiffin will be yes. uh, introduced. Yeah, we'll have that, yes. And we'll have his sound, and, and uh, he's always a character. 81 years young. It's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, how long he coached, how successful he was, and I'm happy for him. You know, they, they surprised him a year ago on his 80th birthday with, with the election to the Ring of Honor, but with all that happened and no fans and everything, they, they pushed back a year. Um, so he's had to wait a year for this to actually transpire, and it's going to happen on the, uh, the second regular season game, I think it's September 19th, against the Atlanta Falcons at Raymond James. They open, of course, with the Cowboys. Then mm-hmm. 10 days later, he'll go into the Ring of Honor at halftime, first assistant coach. To ever do that here in Tampa Bay, um, only the 14th name in the Ring of Honor, which is really something and well-deserved. And you'll enjoy the story in the Tampa Bay Times, uh, talking to all those guys. Monty was not afraid to get on superstars. I mean, he crawled up everybody's backside, and they appreciated it. And for as much talent as he had, uh, they will all say to you, they might not have been the players they were without Kiffin, um, which is really interesting. So look forward to that in Tampa Times. In the meantime... Uh, enjoy your day. Uh, again, I'll be at One Buck Place with, with Monty. Uh, we got no sports, right? But Tom Jones will be with us uh, to talk on yep. the podcast. So, yeah, keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.